Today's topic, and I'm so excited for this one, is creativity. What is it? Where does it come from? Is creativity special? Is everyone creative? Can we improve or increase our creativity? Today we're going to explore ways we can nurture our creativity and talk about how it can actually make us healthier and our lives better. I feel like creativity and creative expression has never been more important than it is right now. This past year with the pandemic, which we've all been affected by in very deep ways, we're just beginning to understand. Creativity has been my saving grace and one of the main ways I've weathered the storm. But creativity goes so much deeper than the pandemic. I believe creativity is actually a part of our very life force. Maya Angelou, a great American author, poet, dancer, and civil rights activist said, everybody born comes from the creator trailing wisps of glory. We come from the creator with creativity. I think that each one of us is born with creativity. And Neil Gaiman, an English writer specializing in fantasy said, the one thing that you have that nobody else has is you, your voice, your mind, your story, your vision. So write and draw and build and play and dance and live as only you can. There are so many great quotes about creativity because it's such an essential part of our existence and one I think we often take for granted or even completely ignore. But I don't think we really can ignore it for long because it's absolutely essential to our living well. So let's take a deeper dive today into this topic. And now I'm going to introduce you to one of the most creatively rich and creatively supportive human beings I know. So our guest today, Wendy Hammers, is a hyphenate, and this is so true. She's an actress, writer, storyteller, published author, writing coach, stand-up comic, touring solo show artist, wife, mother, theater director, hip-hop dancer, Jersey girl, five-year pancreatic cancer survivor, and lover of life. And knowing her as I do, I can tell you that all of these are accurate descriptions of who this amazing person is. She's also the creator and curator of Tasty Words, a live spoken word salon now in its 20th year and the host of the Tasty Words podcast. Her TV acting credits, and these are just a few, include Mad About You, The Sopranos, Curb Your Enthusiasm. She has toured her solo play Ripe around the country and in Canada. Most recently, she was featured on the stage in a series of plays, Sarah Treem's When We Were Young and Unafraid, Val in the Australian Theatre Company's Grey Nomad, and just until the day before the pandemic shutdown as Bunny and Old Jews Telling Jokes. Please help me in welcoming Wendy Hammers. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Barry. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I think we're done now. I think you said everything. Uh, okay. Good. All right. This has been <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Barry. Good night, folks. <laughs> Wendy, thank yes, you so Wendy. much for, for being my guest today. It's great to have you here. It's a delight to be with you. It's, it's fun to be with you for any reason, and certainly to talk about creativity and all things like that. Well, thank you, thank you. And honestly, I do not know of a better person to talk creativity with than you. And the biggest question is, where do we start? Maybe at the, the very start beginning. Start at the very beginning. <laughs> very good place to start. The very beginning for me creatively was when I was six years old and I went to the theater in New York City uh, with my parents to see the paperback players at Children's Theatre Company. And I remember very specifically loving the show and loving 
the create the characters and the wonderment and the magic of the theater and then somehow wandering backstage finding my way out onto the stage at this uh. point the theater is now emptying out uh. and i looked out and i thought i like the view better from here uh. i really <laughs> felt that i was like this feels right to me i knew that i wanted to be part of this magic this creative uh play no, so that's... that was the beginning for me and that was a long that's time so ago. Sweet. It was 54 years ago. And I love it as much as I ever did. It's so sweet, mm. Wendy. It's such a, I love the visual of that. <laughs> you you as a six-year-old on the stage, it's 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 perfect. It's beautiful. <laughs> so there's a, a mm -hmm. quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Every artist was first an amateur. And, um, you know, what you just shared speaks to that, right? It's like that first moment mm -hmm. when you got on that stage and said, hey, th I like this. What what's your creative journey been like? So you you had that experience when you were six. You, you realized, yeah, this is nice. I, th I think I might want to be here. Where'd you go from there? Uh, well, at the very beginning, again, um, I won't walk you through every moment of my career, but I'll give you <laughs> sort of the the keynotes. I do remember doing skits, sketches, made up stories. Uh, Debbie Milgram's garage across the street. We would make up plays. And one of my um, mentors and teachers and friends, Jeffrey Tambor, always says, we were never better than when we were doing skits in the garage and nobody was watching. Mm. You know, there was just that mm. abandonment, just like, let's create for creativity's sake. Um, I did plays all through middle school, high school, went to study acting at NYU. And there I discovered writing my own material. I worked with the late, great Spalding Gray, and he was my teacher and he taught us about taking real material, things from your life. And he taught this class called Fictionalizing the Self. And it was how to take things that are real and make them stage worthy without being indulgent. And from that, I had what I call my accidental 30 year stand-up comedy career because <laughs> I just started doing it as a result of doing the solo work. But yeah, it's been a lot of theater, a lot of live performance, a lot of interacting with audiences and creating my own stories and traveling them around the country and working in Los Angeles in the sort of more traditional sense in television and film whenever I get the chance to. But more than anything, it has been something that has walked alongside my life as I had questions in my life. You know, I've heard it said that writers really just write in themes and ask the same questions over and over again in their writing. Mm. And I think whenever I needed to know something in life, I would write about it. I'd sort of write my way to the answers best I could and then perform them, whether it be as a stand-up or a solo artist or an actor. So mm. that's a long answer, but that's that's sort of been the trajectory. You know. Yeah, it's, you know, I hear a lot of echoes of my own personal experience um, as mm -hmm. a performer and uh, as a writer. And one of the reasons that I wanted to speak with Wendy today on the subject of creativity is that some of us just have this ability to really help nurture that creativity in other people. Um, you know, I became a life coach and it definitely is in the work that I do there. And Wendy is, uh, in addition to being an incredible actress, she's also a very gifted writing teacher and coach. And I have worked as her student for, for many years. And, you know, I always marvel at the approach that you take to the work, to being a creative. And, you know, with you, I don't think that there's really any, my experience of you is that there's not really any line where it's like creativity only exists in this one area. It's like you see creativity everywhere and in every one. 
And I, I do. That's that's a yeah. that's an accurate statement. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of magic in that because I think a lot of people get cut off from that. And you know, to speak personally, I I was cut off from mine. And you know, this is one of the things um, where Wendy came into my life. I feel like to sort of uh, relight that fire under me to uh, return to a more creative space. Um, and I, I, I think Wendy, I was taking a, it was a writing class with, I think I took a workshop and then a writing mm -hmm. class and it sounds right. Yeah. And it just really started to open up my writing again, which had been dormant for a lot of years when I was focusing more on, you know, psychology and that whole field, uh, becoming a coach. But, um, you just the way in which you, you hold again, that, that, that creative, force it's it's like it's in our essence am i describing that accurately well i mean it's very kind what you're saying first thing i would say is one of the most lovely things i've ever been called and i'm a girl from jersey so i've been called a lot of things but um one of the things that i've been called in my life is a story whisperer and mm. i love that and i think that that's accurate because uh i do see potential in people i see people who have an inkling that they want to do something creative whether it be as a writer or some other kind of creative uh, expression. And I, I, am I, I enjoy encouraging people to do that. Um, I do say that when you say you had this chapter in your life where you were focused more on your studies and your psychology and building your business as a therapist and all the other things that you do, if you have these creative callings in you and you don't pay attention to them, a couple of things happen. First of all, the creative spirit becomes like a... a toddler tugging at their mother's leg it's like please pay attention to me i have something to tell you please pay attention and if you pay attention and you honor it you find a way to ideally find balance and incorporate it in your life so maybe you don't do your creative thing that you love for a living but maybe it's happening alongside whatever else you do in your life and it enriches and and mm -hmm. deepens your experience of life mm -hmm. um but the other thing that can happen for people if they have this creative calling and they don't encourage it is, and I believe this, this is this is not uh, scientific evidence here, this is my own personal um, vision or realization, is that you can get sick. You can actually mm -hmm. create sickness in your body. And in my case, um, I'm going to sound very California here, but I was quite sick five years ago. I had diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2015. Um, which means I just this week celebrated five years cancer-free, oh which is God. kind of awesome. <laughs> Very grateful. Congratulations. Thank is you. that even the right well, thing to say in this situation? But like, I'm so happy yeah. for you. <laughs> well, it's lovely. I, I Yes, congratulations. I'm a lucky girl. I'm in the sixth percentile. 94% of people who have what I had don't see five years. So I am a mm. lucky woman. Mm. But I do know that cancer is one way, like the pandemic, when catastrophic type things happen in our lives, they are an opportunity they're a, for, they're a forced pause button, and they're an mm. opportunity to look deeper at your life. Mm. And I had more time to be still out of necessity when I was going through my cancer treatment than I ever had in my rest of my life prior to that. And what I went looked at was I thought, well, what's, what's working in my life right now? I'm like, I have an extraordinary community. I have a beautiful family. I have an amazing husband, a spectacular son, you know, a great community of people that I love. And... Um, what's missing is my acting. I'm not doing the thing that I feel called to do. And mm -hmm. I believe, and this is for no one else, but I believe in my case, part of the reason I got sick was so that I could look at this and address it. 
And so I thought, well, I'm going to get better and I'm going to do the things that are missing. And that's been, that's definitely happened for me. And it's Mm. been very much, uh, I feel like I'm answering part of my wellness protocol is to honor my creative life. Uh, I love this. I I love, I I can see 100% that that it is a wellness call. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I often say to clients, like when they're not expressing their creativity in whatever form it might take, you know, you could rebuild cars, um, you know, mm-hmm. you could, it could be painting your make, home. Make a fabulous quiche. I mean, you can do gardening. Cooking, These are all garden, pursuits. absolutely. Yeah. When you're not doing that, I find that we sour. We mm. really get sour. It's almost like something inside of us uh, begins to ferment. And it, it it's not in, in a way that... Um, eventually not like not like a fine wine not, not a like a, no it, it's More a fermentation like a fun, funky yogurt kind yeah of it's situation. like that thing in the bottom <laughs> of the refrigerator that's been there for like a year and totally you don't want to go near it it's like that i love the image yes yeah absolutely so i well it's know, the toddler i was talking about that's pulling at your leg going i have this great idea for a book i want to write i want to write a children's book and you're like mm-hmm. yeah 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 i have a life to live i can't pay attention to your voice and that right. eventually that voice gets louder and louder and says please I'm begging you, in order for me to fully be me, I would yeah. like to explore this. Yeah, and I think, you know, for for me with the coaching work that I do, it, it is like at, at the sort of tip of a larger iceberg, the focus is life purpose. And mm-hmm. so that's really what I've spent the past 16 years as a coach doing is really helping people connect to their life purpose. And ultimately what I have found is that it's about connecting to your own creative life force and how that creative energy wants to be expressed in your individual life. And, you know, there is something incredibly healing about beginning to express. So, so let me ask you this. You had said that you, you realized during this, this sort of quiet time, so to speak, that you had uh, at the beginning of your cancer treatment, you start, what was that process like for you? So you started to realize That so many things in my life were good. So why would I get cancer? Like, is there a reason this happened? Now, sometimes people say, no, it's just random. But I wanted to see if I could just even entertain the question, why would I get this? What gift Mm. possibly, what lesson or aha or learning could possibly be connected Mm. to this catastrophic illness? Or as I like to refer to it, uh, my cancer circumstance huh. it was really important that I understand that I had cancer, but I wasn't mm. cancer. So, um, and I thought, well, the only area that's really struggling is this area of unrealized creative mm. dreams. Uh, you know, and now, now what does that mean? That's different for everybody. For me, it meant I, and you talked about this too. You talked about as a creativity coach and as a person who helps others, you have spent some of your creative energy, midwifing others' creativity. And I love that process. I love that in the work that I do. But for me, it was out of balance. And I was watching the parade go by. I was seeing people that I loved and believed in, their book deals coming through and their screenplays getting made and their solo shows touring and their stand-up careers taking off and many other things. And I thought, well, why am I not doing that? I have the tools to help others facilitate it. Why can't I do it for myself? And I was like, well, because you're scared. You, you're not willing to do it for yourself. You you ask people to be bold and step up and be courageous and take action, but you're not doing that. You're just being safe by helping them. And I had to find a way to do mm. both. 
can I help others and be an example for myself and for them as, as I continue to pursue my own mm. work? So that's, that's really, that's what I had to yeah. find, the balance. It's a lot about balance, uh, I think. Uh, what what you just shared, Wendy, to me is actually it's quite deep, yeah. um, because it really, as I see it, it involves some ability to self reflect and to recognize, like, mm. okay, my life as it is right now is there. It feels like there there's maybe something missing, or there's something more that I'm yearning for, and. You know, I'm I'm just going to take a minute and I'm going to sort of go inside and, and check because I think what happens for a lot of people, and I see this in my practice, is that we project our pain and, and what's not working out onto the world around us. And it's when we get to a place where we're able to self-reflect and take, let's say, 100% responsibility for our lives. When we When we get to that place in our growth where we're able to do that, I think most of us find that there is something that's been unattended. You know, it's kind of like that garden, yeah. it kind of, it, it went to seed the past few years. I, ha I hadn't been really working it. And so one of the things that I experienced with you when I stepped into your writing class was a space in which I had to show up every week and I had to take mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. So for you, when you made this discovery of, okay, or had this um, realization that, that you really wanted to focus more on acting, what action steps did you take for yourself to do that? Well, first I wanna go back and tell you how much I love the image of the untended garden. Mm. That feels right on, that really resonates with mm. me. Um, in terms of action, big part of my getting through the cancer experience and coming out the other side was spending a fair amount of time writing and visualizing what my life would look like after the cancer. And in that writing, I did think a lot about the kind of career that I wanted to have and the kinds of things I wanted to be doing and the things I had left behind, the things that I'd loved that I hadn't done in so long I couldn't remember. And so in the first three or four years after I came through the cancer, I did a lot of plays, a lot of mm. live theater, which was just an amazing way for me to just be in that joyful, playful, you know, the thing that I, you know, the connect to the thing that you have in the beginning. I love, there was that little six-year-old girl we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Now here I am back on stage and I'm playing and I did outrageous things. I, I, I did a gamut of, I did a, a fantastic play with the Australian theater company called Grey Nomad, which was different, but had some similar themes with the film Nomadland that's out right now with one of my sheroes, Francis McDormand. Um, but I did that play, and I, it was an outrageous role. It was, and then I did this 130 performances of old Jews telling jokes, and I traveled doing that, which was just silliness and fun and playful. I did a very serious play, Sarah Treem's play that you mentioned earlier, When We Were Young and Unafraid. And I, I allowed myself to step into all these different characters and different skins and different lives. And that was the beginning of the process. And then I kept just realizing that I needed a team that could help me get where I wanted to be creatively. So a lot of the changes happened during the pandemic this mm. past year. Mm. I went back to work with agents I'd worked with years ago. Um, I went to work with a friend who was a fantastic manager. So I finally felt like I had agents and managers who could support me with the audition process. I went through several years before I had the agents and managers where I'd audition, I'd get auditions on my own and I'd go and just practice being an actor. and. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, another wonderful actor, Rena Strober, my dear friend, and we were talking about how there is a part of the acting business where you feel like you're just in the audition business, like you're just 
figuring out how to be an auditioner. Mm. And you probably don't get any of those jobs for a while, but you just have to show up and then you eventually figure out how to do that process. And then you start to get callbacks and then you still don't book the job. And then eventually you book the job. And I've been in all those stages uh, recently. There's a fantastic piece that I want to mention. If your listeners don't know it, I really recommend you check it out. Now I've just got to think of the guy's name. He's from KCRW, NPR. He talks about creativity. It'll come to me. Mm. And he talks about how in the beginning of a creative process, you, uh, you think that you have this instinct that you want to do this creative thing. Um, but the same thing that pulls you to want to do it also knows you don't really know what the hell you're doing yet. So you know enough to know that you're not that good, but you really want it. And eventually you learn how to do the thing. And by, by the end of this conversation, I will remember the gentleman's well, name. Well, Wendy, but, this, um, I think you're saying something super important. I just want to just highlight this right now because great. The, yeah, this to me is huge because I think so many people don't take further steps creatively because of exactly what you're saying. It's like there's mm -hmm. a calling inside, there's a push, uh, there's a force. But because there's also the awareness of like, to, in order for me to get from point A to point Z, there is a, a vast wasteland of I don't know what, I'm just not even going to go to step B. Right. And the fact is nobody knows. We're making it up every day. We're finding out go. how to be us by living our lives. There you go. You know, I mean, uh, again, I'm talking about Jeffrey again, my old acting coach and friend. He used to say, it's all a performance. We're always, we don't know. We're making it up as we go. And he talks a lot about the scaredy chair. Those of you that are listening, that are sitting in the scaredy chair going, well, I wish I could be a screenwriter, but I, I can't because I don't know how to do it. Mm. Well, no one knows how to do it until they do it. That's that's how you find out how to do it. Yeah. By doing, making the thing, just doing the work. Everyone starts as an amateur. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great quote. Yeah. I, I, I definitely identified that I didn't want to play small, that I wanted to allow myself to fully have this experience. And, you know, I, I must tell this story, Barry. It's so, it's just so telling to me. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are afraid to be all that they can be. Yes. And there's a lot of support for the conversation of, you know, oh, it's impossible to be in the show business. Oh, that's the most competitive thing. Why would you even try? Yeah, we, uh, we, argue for, says, we argue for our limitations. That's great. Absolutely. I love that. T Tony Robbins said, every day of, your, of the year, there's somebody in your industry who's very happy to go sit and have a Starbucks coffee with you and talk about how badly things are going and how nobody's working. There's somebody that's very happy to have that conversation. And during that whole time, there are people that are working. And doing the thing that, you know, so you want to sit and talk about how, why you can't do it or you want to do it. Mm -hmm. I just decided I was going to do this for myself and I didn't know where it would lead me. And I made a deal with myself. I said, let's say you start doing this thing you've been avoiding for 30 years and you finally start doing this. Let's say you, let's say you get a guest star or you get a, a recurring or you become a series regular in television or you get, you land some fantastic independent film with your favorite filmmaker, like whatever the dream is, you know, you get to work with Nicole Holof Center or, or, Wes Anderson, there's like a million, you know, sort of on my list of people I'd love to be working with. And let's say you do it and you don't really like it. It's not that great. It's not at all what I thought. I'm like, okay, good. Mm -hmm. Then you don't have to do that anymore. Mm. But let's find out. Don't don't say no to yourself before you can even know if it's the thing that you want. And here's the story that I just quickly want to tell you. So I come through cancer. I'm like four years out. And somebody says to me, you're a rock star. You beat pancreatic cancer. You can do anything. And I said, well, what I really want to do is act. And I am not kidding. There is dead silence on the phone. Like if uh. Aaron, your beautiful engineer, was with us, he would have thought, oh, we lost sound. Like, it, was like <laughs> it went out. It was just gone. Uh. I thought the person had fallen off the line. <laughs> and then they said, oh, no, acting, no. No, no, you can't do that. Uh -huh. That's too hard. 
So cancer is one thing, but show business is really freaking hard, apparently. <laughs> so th this is like, that's what, that's that's the sort of cultural belief about it. Yeah. And like, I don't really want to listen to those things. They're not helpful to me. I am just going to move forward and proceed and take action. I'm now currently working with somebody named Greg Sims, who's a, a, a coach for actors. And he says, can you do six days a week, shitty 20 minutes of something moving towards, moving the needle a little bit towards your creative goals. Yeah. 20 shitty minutes. Yeah. Like, no, from the get-go, it will be bad. It will be imperfect. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's better to do that than just sit around thinking about, well, I guess that's never going to happen. I mean, I meet people all the time who tell me they're too old to do the thing that they want to do. Yeah. And then I tell them that I'm older than they are. So that forget that excuse. It doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have made the decision to be 60 years old and be starting my career in, in show business. That's like insanity. Like, who does that? Yeah, I love A person it. who is called to do it and who knows that this is the only life I'm guaranteed. So I might as well carve it out the best I can the way I believe I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really, that's, that's some, some hard won wisdom. You know, it's like when you go through <laughs> something like cancer, you, as you've just shared, you get very clear about certain things. Right. And it's, Absolutely. It, and, and so thank you for sharing that because I, I think, you know, sometimes, again, getting from point A to Z, knowing people's process, I think is helpful for mm -hmm. all of us, like those stories. Um, I remember my grandmother always used to say, like, read autobiographies, read autobiographies and learn how other people, there's a great book called The, the, Souls, um, the Souls Code uh, by James Hillman. And it's, it's stories of all of these sort of famous people throughout time and how they sort of started out and what they grew into. And very often, like, there, one I always remember is there was this little boy. He was afraid of everything. He, he hid behind his mother's uh, apron. He was just afraid of everything. And he became one of the most famous Spanish bullfighters. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, I think, awesome. I think sometimes the degree to which we back away from something can often be the degree to which we will excel at something at some point later on. But his instinct, he was already doing the bullfighting with the using the skirt and he his his instinct was to go towards the very thing that he wanted. It may not maybe it wasn't so obvious to him, but it, it, it somehow was led there. I mean, he's got the you know, the yeah. skirt is like the yeah. I'm just picturing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's, it's a great and, image. And like you at 6 standing on that stage, right? There was a sense, you know, it's um intelliki, the intelliki of the acorn is to become the oak tree. You know, th th that's a big part of this, too, is like connecting to your intelligence, your innate, whatever it is that you're you're here on this planet to to be and do. Um, but it, I, I want to say something about how the age, what age we are factors into this, mm. because many of your listeners may be in their 20s or their teens. But I suspect that more of them are in their 30s, 40s, 50s and upward. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. is that, I think know? that's I don't accurate. Know if you know who yeah, you I do. That That's accurate. So here's something that I really want to to throw into the mix because it's been extremely helpful to me. Um, the wonderful writer, who I'm sure many of your listeners will know, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. He's written a lot of fantastic books. Yeah, I love um, him. He had a piece, oh, he's so great. He had a piece in The New Yorker many years ago, over a decade ago, more more, that I have printed out and I refer to from time to time. It's really stayed with me. It was a real game changer for me. The piece was called Late Bloomer. Mm. And it, the whole notion that we are supposed to 
have everything figured out at the beginning of our lives, be these wunderkinds. And, you know, you always hear overnight sensation and you always hear, you know, oh, you know, never, never did it, never tried, never took a lesson. And suddenly they're at Carnegie Hall or whatever the story is. And that's not the way it works for most people, mm -hmm. but that's the more popular, that's sort of like a, you know, people love those kind of easy, easy breezy stories. The fact is most of us spend a great deal of our lives either avoiding the very thing that we love and then in the later life coming to it and going, why did I not allow myself that? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, we're studying and training for something, but it takes us a long time to get there, you know? And just for people to invite, I invite your listeners to take on the notion that they really actually are right on time and right on schedule with their lives. I, and not that they're trying to play catch up. I love that, Wendy. I subscribe to that fully. Um, mm. You know, I, I I call it divine, perfect time. Um, but mm. you know, I, I love that. I just put it another way. Well, so here's here's a question. Um, I mean, I think I know the answer, but could you live without creativity? Could one or could I? Well, uh, let's let's address both if you're open to it. Sure, of course. Um, could I? I don't think I'd want to. Right. Um, can people? Yes, they do, but it's not a natural thing for mm -hmm. most people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it makes for a richer, juicier life when you own that part of yourself. Okay. And But again, as we talked earlier, what is the definition of creativity and can you expand it to include the very acts of life? I mean, I have four spectacular long stem red roses sitting in a vase next to me. And when I put them in the vase and I cut their ends off and I arranged them, that was a creative act. Mm -hmm. It brought me joy in my heart. It gave me um, an opportunity to add beauty to the world. I think there's a big relationship between uh, creativity and grace and beauty. Mm. And I don't mean manufactured beauty. I mean things that are just occur in the world in nature that we take the time to notice and then go, oh, wow, that's... That's a creative act. Mother Nature did that. Look at that amazing sunrise. Yes. That's a creative act. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I I love what you what you just shared and and um you know the thing Here's I, the roses. Uh, you can't you you can't see them on the radio on the podcast but oh, I Oh, they're can beautiful. See them, see? Oh yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I Don't you like that I'm so old I call it a radio even though it's a podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah, radio, the high the fidelity radio. sound system that Aaron For has. all intents and purposes. <laughs> Um, is this an album? <laughs> this is an album. It's a cassette. It's an eight track, Wendy. This is an eight track. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's another thing that's part of the creative process. Not taking yourself too seriously and silliness and mm -hmm. playfulness. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are so wanting to get it right that they forget to be joyful. And so, it, you know, I'm going to get this right, damn it. So they go and they decide they want to throw a pot, you know, a clay pot. They're working with a, a wheel, let's say, mm -hmm. and it, it, it falls over to one side. So they say, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. So I guess I can't do that anymore. How about maybe that was just you needed to do one fell to this side. The next one falls to that side and the next one maybe will be the shape that will actually work. But you have to play with it and not take yourself so seriously. Not allow yourself to enjoy the messiness. Oh, I know what I want to say. This is and Wendy, and, I believe. And to allow yourself to make mistakes because you're going to make a lot of them. There's going to be yeah, a lot of so mess. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Perfectionism is an artistic killer. Yeah. Perfectionism and creativity are not bedfellows. Yeah. They don't go together. I always say perfectionism is the death of creativity. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the interesting thing about about creativity too is that it is how we make our lives. It's like mm-hmm. it, I think so often people will focus on actors or writers or artists like painters because they think like, you know, yeah, that's what, you know, that's creativity, but like every profession is creative, right? Life itself is creative. And yeah, I was going to say not even just profession, life. Yeah. Let me just tell you yesterday. Yesterday, my 24-year-old son, Griffin, who's an amazing young man, uh, was to schedule to get his second vaccination shot, um, vaccination, and for COVID, and against COVID, I should say. And so he lives in San Diego, and he found a spot at the CVS in Bakersfield, and he decides he's making this drive. So I say to him, what about a mother-son road trip to get a COVID shot. Like, let's make the fact that you have to drive to the middle of nowhere and get this shot. Let's make that an excuse to have a fun day together. I love it. And listen to great tunes in the car and tell stories and crack each other up and eat great food and just have a blast. And so, but someone could just also say, oh, I have to drive two hours in the (laughs) middle of nowhere and I can't believe I have to do this. It sucks. My life's so awful. I'm going to lose a day. Like, why? Why can't you make the decision that it's a positive, creative choice? That you're going to infuse your daily life's what's seemingly mundane events and make them a thing. Make them a creative act. And let's see which fun and discovery we can find and and imbue them with. Yeah, well, I love what you're sharing because uh, what I hear from it is that it's all about choice, right? Our life is a choice. Mm. The way we live is a choice. Being positive or negative is a choice and creating is a choice. And that's, that's like a, that's a leverage point. I know for me, coaching wise, I use that all the time because I think people somehow are under the impression that they don't have a choice, which is not necessarily Mm. accurate. Um, And doesn't feel good. Never is an empowering way to feel like you have no options in life. I don't think that helps anybody. It it, it really doesn't. And, um, you know, I definitely um, could not imagine life without creativity uh, in so many different forms. And, you know, for me, I love watching other people be creative. Um, including when they have a baby, (laughs) you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. there's just Mm -hmm. so many examples when someone, um, you know, they could renovate a house or, you know, move into a new apartment and, and, you know, decorate the apartment. Uh, sometimes the way people are, are, are dressed, um, you know, totally can be so fun and inspiring and, um, yeah, I mean, anything that allows you to have more access to all of who you are mm. that makes you feel like, boy, I feel more like me or I really like the, this part of me, this aspect of me when I'm playing my bass guitar or when I am horseback riding mm. or when I am, you know, um, yeah, uh, making hair accessories and selling them on Etsy, like mm-hmm. whatever, you know, however the creativity can pour out of you, but the creative process, the, this is what I really want to say the the, the excuse of creativity gives us a very vibrant lens through which through which we can view the world. So I always have the excuse that I'm an actor and I'm a stand-up comic and I'm a writer. And that excuse gives me the freedom to, you know, 
read about things I might not read about or study a language or travel. Mm. Like I do things and go, well, this will feed my, my creative life. But really, it's feeding my life. It just makes my life richer. Yeah, you don't have to be you an know? actor to do those things. Yeah, if I never, if I never life. acted another day in my life, God forbid. But if I never did, I would still have a creative life, and I would still be pursuing all the things I'm doing with the same gusto, because mm -hmm. that's how I feel alive. Well, and it, I have the gift of life. I might as well enjoy it. You know. What you're describing is to me really the art of living. You know, it's it's mm. like being in Italy for Love me that. and and that phrase, la dolce vita, the sweet life. I remember the first mm -hmm. time I went there, it it kind of blew all my circuits because I was used <laughs> to being sort of very American and rushing around and working, working, working and not really savoring. And when I got there, it was like I had to savor every like my I I had to take beauty breaks. Like between the museums and the food and the, and the art, the clothing, like I would be so overwhelmed by how much beauty yes. there was. I would have to like yeah, sit they, down. They, the, that culture and that country, those folks, the Italians, they definitely uh, are, are, are committed to really relishing and enjoying the process of life. Yeah. And my example of that was when we were in Tuscany a couple of years ago, we went to cooking school there. Uh. Um, I would say to my husband, oh, let's take a picture of that. Let's take a picture of that. And I realized after a while that if I took a picture of everything that was beautiful, that that like it ignited my spirit, I'd be photographing every second <laughs> of the experience. Like look down what would be like a, you know, what you thought was a dark alley in the middle of, there's a, there's a view there and there's a sunset and there's water and then there's something growing out of the uh, brick. It's, you know, just everywhere, beauty yeah. and creativity everywhere, yeah. for sure. And I, I have found in my life is that when I look for it, that beauty and that creativity, mm. I always find it. Love it. I will always well, find it. Well, that's what you're it. talking about choices. You talked about everything's a choice. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to look? Are you going to expect to have some magic today? Do you go into the world thinking, oh, something incredible is going to happen. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have an encounter of some sort. I'm going to have an aha realization that I didn't know I was going to have. And then that will, that will make the whole day have this kind of wonderful patina on it. Yeah. Well, what would you say for you when it comes to creativity? Like, what is it that when you see it in someone else or in something else, like a piece of artwork or a piece of theater, or, or you listen to music or you eat food? Like, what is it that that it that it does to you or for you? Mm -hmm. uh, I see humanity and creativity. So it's like a way to see the world. Um, I do see beauty and I do see people's authentic soul mm -hmm. coming through mm -hmm. when they uh, are willing to be vulnerable enough to make a creative expression of some sort? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I ask because for me, I, I am inspired. Uh, oftentimes my hope is renewed. Uh, my sense of wonder is nurtured um, and, and it maybe even rekindled. Um, a sense of loving, uh, of connect connectivity. I think that's a big one. For sure. You know, it's like yeah, connectivity and community mm -hmm. for me. And um, I relate to all those things you just said. And then I would say, that on a very physical level, I would say that my breath changes mm. when I experience somebody fully embodying and owning their creative voice in whatever form that is. I breathe differently. I go, oh, I, I see their, their truest self. And I, it makes 
That's what I mean. That's why I said humanity was the first thing that came to mm. me. I see their humanness. Right. And God knows in the world today, we need that mm-hmm. desperately. Yeah. You need to yeah. look for examples of people that are, are fully owning their kindest, sweetest selves and putting it into their work and their lives. So in a sense, we could say that creativity is something that really connects all of us. Mm-hmm. Our creativity is a, is a connecting force in the world. Yeah. I don't think, you know, in the, in, the, in the midst of the world pandemic, we had more examples than I could have ever imagined of people finding ways to express what they were going through. Yeah. I mean, you see it just on comedy and memes and storytelling and videos and people, you know, losing their mind in their house with their four kids. So they make a movie out of it. And it just, it it blew my mind Mm -hmm. what people found, Mm -hmm. found ways to, to find their sanity and to, you know, when you're going through a hard time, you're kind of fighting for a better time. You're like wishing and hoping for a better time. So you have to remember what a better time looks like. You have to actually know I mean, again, I go back to the cancer thing. If you're going to fight for your life, you got to know why, what, what does that life have mm. to offer you? Why do you even want to work this hard? Oh, I love that one. Because, you know, no one wants to go through the, the darkest parts of, of challenges. But if you know that there's a reward on the other side called a deepening of one's experience of life and there's a life worth living, then it's motivating. One other thing I would mention is that um, I have been doing a podcast of great live storytelling. They're all archived stories and they can hear those and all they need to do again, they can go to wendyhammers.com or tastywords.com. Either one of them will get them there. Great. And and again, I'll yeah. put those in, in our show notes. Thank Wendy, it, is there anything else that you would want to share around creativity, about creativity? Uh, I, what just came to my mind is there's a bumper sticker I've seen uh, that says, um, I'm just so sorry I worked out, said no one anywhere ever. <laughs> Meaning... Before you exercise, people are like, oh, I don't want to do this. But after you do it, you're always happy you did. So I would say I've, I've never met a person who said, I just sat down and worked on a poem or a book or a, a dance. And afterwards I went, oh, I don't know why I did that. Like mm. people always gain some delicious piece of themselves and of humanity, <laughs> of their relationship to the world. If they're willing to keep, the, you know, I say the hardest, I tell all my writing students, most important uh, goal, rule for writing is, apply butt to seat yeah sit down and set a timer and push the world out no this is not time to check the emails set a timer for 15 minutes light a candle and write and write one tiny little story or whatever it is but just make a beginning i usually clean my entire house and then sit down or i eat all the food in the kitchen and then sit down i understand yeah 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 but i think what you're saying is 100 percent accurate so when, when once you do it i bet you're and usually a lot of time it's not the writing that's hard it's the beginning writing that's hard. Yes. It's the making the beginnings yes. with all these things. Yes, absolutely. Wendy. There's more to say, but that's that's what came to my mind. So thank you. And I, I encourage, I hope everybody that listens to this uh, gives themselves some artist way time for themselves, some time today to just allow themselves to explore something creative. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I want to echo what Wendy's saying. Definitely give yourself an opportunity to create in whatever form and for however much time that might be. And um, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing. And it's just, just beautiful to have you here. I love you. I love you too. My pleasure. Much fun and, and more to come. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Mary. Bye. You can reach today's guest at www.wendyhammers.com. That's 
W-E-N-D-Y-H-A-M-M-E-R-S dot com or on Instagram at Wendy Joy's World. W-E-N-D-Y-J-O-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D. To learn more about Tasty Words or to listen to the podcast, visit www.tastywords.com and you can also hear Wendy's podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you get your podcast on. A special thank you to iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, and Podbean for being the amazing platforms for podcasting that they are. You can reach our incredibly talented music man, Ian Taylor, at iantaylormusic.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to my producer, Aaron Davies, at Growl Lodge for his production, editing, and mastering. You can reach Aaron at growlodge.com. That's G-R-O-W-L-L-O-D-G-E dot com. I've got two more quotes to leave you with. The first, by Pablo Picasso. Art washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life. The second quote, by Vincent van Gogh. There is nothing more truly artistic than to love people. Thanks, everyone, for joining our conversation today. Be well, be creative, share the love, please, and remember, we're all in this together, and you got this. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Barry Alden Clark on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and on the web. And if you'd like a copy of my latest book, Living Life Now, Ingredients for Thriving in the Modern World, you can go to my website, barryaldenclark.com, for the link to Amazon, as well as finding the link in my Instagram bio. Take care, everyone.